That takes some morality. Uh, no area of philosophy is more convoluted, messed up, or outright nonsensical than the philosophical study of ethics and morality. This is especially true in the modern world, which everyone from auto dealers and accountants to zookeepers have so-called code of ethics or ethics rules written and enforced by no one with any philosophical or even critical thinking training in either ethics or morali morality. They primary, primarily know how to spell it and follow orders, but that's about it. Luckily, for purposes of this podcast series, trying to give working people a, a straightforward working understanding of philosophy, this messed up condition is for a very simple reason. The reason being what David Hume, an 18th century philosopher, called the is-ought problem, and uh, what in the 20th century philosopher G.E. Moore called the uh, open question argument. Uh, the fact is that ethics and morality, regardless of who's arguing, always starts out by an is statement and winds up with an ought statement. Uh, X is this, Y is that, we have this, that, and the other thing, so we ought to do this or that. There's simply no logical or even rational way to go from an is statement to an ought statement. Uh, it is an act of pure will. Uh, this problem comes up consciously for some people, but subconsciously for almost all people. Uh, your consciousness knows about these problems. Uh, the open question argument phrases the problem, the is-ought problem, a little differently, but the conclusion is the same. For those of you who listened to the last series of podcasts, uh, you know that at one point I discussed uh, that reality doesn't really care about truth or falsehood. And the same is true of good or evil. If you're riding your sports bike at 100 miles an hour and you hit a brick wall, it uh, doesn't really matter if you're an empiricist or an idealist. Uh, you're a dead man either way. It would make no sense to ask the brick wall whether its existence is a truth or falsehood or, or a good or evil. Uh, I mean, you might ask that of the person who put the brick wall up and not the not the reality of the brick wall, and same thing with the motorcycle. It would make no sense to ask the motorcycle if it's true or false that it was doing 100 miles an hour or if it ought to be doing it. Uh, that's a question you would ask the rider. But when you do ask the uh, maker of the brick wall or a rider, uh, it's the case, and it's the case for all ethics and morality, that the exact opposite is true. Every ethics and morality question has an open issue as to whether it's true or false, good or evil, and whether it ought to be doing whatever it's doing. If you're not asking this open question, you're not asking a moral ethics question. Such open questions are explicit in such obvious issues as abortion, but are implicit in ethical and moral issues that, at least for the moment, are undisputed, such as slavery. The entire history of the philosophy of ethics and morality until the 20th century consists of uh, philosophers and theologians either explicitly or implicitly trying to get around the, this is-ought and open question problems. And uh, I will try to summarize these attempts in the next couple of episodes. Uh, there have been definite material changes in the nature of ethics and morality as we progress from tribes to city-states to nation-states and now to a global economy. The major changes uh, are that there's been a complete separation of ethics from morality and that uh, in the absence of uh, 
religion that morality has become simply a choice of either being amoral or of creating a morality. Ethics involves the question of how a community or society should live. Morality is the question of how an individual should live. Modern technology and social complexity have made every individual completely dependent on the uh, remainder of society for survival, but at the same time, it isolates the individual from the community, and it gives them a freedom from community religion or whatever social norms exist that would normally give the individual their social identity. A modern American is almost completely isolated from the community, except for economic and technological forces and their identity. At the same time, uh, this individual has almost com complete freedom, for example, to choose his or her religion instead of uh, naturally uh, by social compulsion, accepting whatever religion their community uh, has and would normally force upon him. Uh, them. In ancient Greece or Rome, uh, which is the foundation for all Western philosophy and especially ethics through the writings of uh, Plato and Aristotle, there really was no distinction between ethics and morality, except for the rare isolated individual and individual's identity and morality was defined by their place in the community. And all were involved in the community, whether free, slave, poor, or rich, enforcing that jump from is to ought. Uh, it was, everyone was necessary to make that jump, uh, including slaves and the poor. Uh, unlike now, everyone knew each other. The lowest knew who the powers were, and even the lowest could go down the street and assassinate them, if need be, either by themselves or with a mob. Uh, but this is no longer true. Uh, in the modern world, the only persons who have the power to force the jump from is to ought are those with the power to do so. And there's a system, a bureaucracy, or what George, well, George Orwell called Big Brother, uh, none of which consists of individuals or of working class or even middle class. Uh, it is a system. It is a system of, of power. If any working class or middle class individual comes along who tries to force and is into an ought for society, uh, they are quickly branded as criminals, rebels, or whatever, and are eliminated uh, one way or another. However, even in the modern world, the individual is still uh, free, uh, in theory at least, we'll discuss free will in other episodes. But regardless of whether there is free will or not. The individual is still free to uh, will to fight, to, uh, to will to fight against the indifference of the universe, as the existentialist philosopher Albert Camus described it, and to uh, create a morality and fight and rebel against her condition, even though it, in the long run it may be a losing battle. It is the development of this existentialist thought on morality by philosophers such as Soren Kierkegaard, Frederick Nietzsche and Albert Camus that is the only really new addition to the philosophy of ethics and morality in the modern world. And I will hopefully cover that in the next episode with a uh, theologian, hopefully, or at least get a rebuttal from a theologian at some point. Since this series intent is to give the working person a working understanding of the basics of philosophy and theology of the modern world, I will spend some time trying to summarize the spectrum of ways 
that philosophers and theologians have tried to get around the is-ought and open question problems. But the bottom line is that they all failed. From the perspective of the working person, there is no way around the arbitrary nature of ethics. The power to go from what is to what ought to be is reserved for the powers that be. In fact, they may be the very definition of the powers that be, those who have the ability to make a society go the way they believe it ought to be. The working man or woman, and again, when I use man here, I'm always using it in the classical sense. The working man never had, does not have, and never will have the power to speak for the entire society and to force it to go from what is to what ought. <laughs>